This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Because um, it's really difficult to uh, to make judgments, even though everyone wants to make quick, harsh judgments. The way the way the world works now, it's uh, it's like the NFL draft. You have people analyzing it the day, the next day. These guys haven't even set foot in the uh, the town they're going to play in, and then they're already being called uh, uh, busts or great picks or whatever. But you know, we'll see how Mama shakes out um, over the next couple weeks. Personally, I don't enjoy watching the races, uh, the way they run. Uh, a few of the races yesterday really um, left a, a lot to be desired. Um, they they're they're just not the same, and you know, maybe you don't have a problem with it. That's that's a, certainly everyone has their own preferences, but uh, and you know, there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. It's not like um, all the horses are just gonna refuse to run, but it's uh, it's just it was just poorly conceived. It's been poorly handled, and um, it just is a symptom of a of a greater problem. Uh, that being said, it is Belmont Week, and the Belmont is not uh, a stellar rendition. <laughs> Uh, we have eight horses. We had a, a late defection. Uh, Charlie Appleby's horse from uh, England via Dubai um, dropped out today. Uh, the the Diodoro horse that closes from 100 lengths back dropped out the day before. The day before that, Brooklyn Strong dropped out, which was uh, which which was probably the right thing. I, I really didn't see the the point in running him in a race like this. He's a nice horse. He's a, he's a New York bred. He's a gelding. And there's going to be a lot of races for that horse. He's a pretty good horse. Um, you know, I understand running in these races sometimes is a is a great allure, and, and this is where we want to be, and we want to be in the best races. But you also have to look out for your horse, and you know, running in a race like that, being 30, 40 to 1, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially for a gelding. Um, but the Belmont card, it's a little, it's just being drawn. Uh, the Belmont has eight. The Belmont was the first race drawn. Uh, it, it's not a, a bad field. Um, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, some decent horses. Uh, Bourbonic off of his Chuck kind of liked him. Jinx, 13th place in the Derby. Um, essential quality who will probably be the post on favorite off his wide trip in the Derby. Uh, the France slash Japanese horse is back. Hot Rod Charlie will be one of the choices off his third place in the Derby. Uh, known agenda. Um, it's funny when you look at known agendas, uh, last running line, it's, it's kind of, uh, striking to see how, uh, just how far back he was in that race. And it really reminds me a lot of the Davis, the Sam Davis, when uh, he just got inexplicably behind so far, and it just kind of came running late. Um, he didn't exactly 
uh, he passed a bunch of tired horses. He didn't exactly come running late in in the the Derby, but the distance really shouldn't bother him. And he he's probably going to be the the wise guy horse. Uh, overtook is uh, is in there as well. That's another Todd Todd Pletcher horse. Uh, another Curlin out of an AP Indy mare. Certainly the mile and a half uh, distance sh- shouldn't be uh, a problem for him. He he was kind of uh, even in the in his last race in the Peter Pan, where he finished third out of five. Um, Rocky World is back uh, off of a, a non-performance in the Derby when he broke a little slow and just never got into the race. Um, and Rombauer off of the, the nice score at the Preakness. Um, you know. You could probably do worse picking him, but uh, I thought it was kind of telling that Flavian <laughs> Pratt took off, <laughs> uh, took off the horse. He just won a classic race on to, to ride a different horse. So, um, with us to to knock these things around and and talk about some uh, other topics of interest is uh, is my friend Pete Dank from uh, THT uh, Bloodstock. Pete, you here? I'm here. What's going on, Chuck? Hey, Pete. How's things? Good. I'm I'm refreshing my formulator as we speak to see if these Delmont PPs have popped in yet, but I don't see them yet. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been trying to get them up, but uh, might be a little bit early yet still. Um, it's so funny. Like we're, we're these days, we're, we're just used to like they draw the race, and then you know, not that much longer. We have the PPs four, five, six days in advance. Uh, I remember. Uh, I lived in a time where where we didn't get the PPs till the night before for the next day, so so that's uh it, it looks like a decent card. Um, the dirt races uh, look competitive. I mean, uh, just on the overnight, but um, not necessarily big fields, but uh, competitive fields. The turf races drew big fields. Which kind of seems to be the way racing is trending in general these days, where the turf races are going to have big fields and uh, the dirt races are, are not going to have big fields. And well, you know, outside of Santa Anita, where they don't have any big fields, but um, you know, it's it, it's kind of um, crazy. I was talking on our podcast last night with Barry about how this year, I mean, we're into the June, right, and there was only one occasion the whole year where we didn't have a, a ready-made topic to talk about. Um, you know, it seems like everything, uh, everything that couldn't go wrong and things that we like didn't even have any idea were going to go wrong. Like Bob Baffert getting a positive in the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, has happened. So, uh, it's given us a lot of fodder, but uh, unfortunately most of that stuff's negative. Uh, however, the Belmont card—it looks, you know, looks promising, and um, I mean, it's usually a, a good day of racing. Uh, so, I mean, even though this isn't like a a, a, a field of uh, you know renown in the Belmont, it, it looks like a, a solid race. Yeah, I mean, they drew eight, and you know, I'm looking back at our Derby report, and when, when we did our herd dynamic report for this year's Derby. We had four tier one herd dynamics, and three of them are in the Belmont Stakes: uh, Essential Quality, Hot Rod Charlie, and Rock Your World. So, you know, I, from a 
wagering standpoint, I always kind of draw the line at eight. That's the that's the minimum field size that I think we should be aiming for from a wagering product standpoint. Um, so I, I wish they certainly had more here because the value just goes up with each additional entry above eight. But this is a good field. I mean, we've got there's five horses that are below ten to one on the morning line. Essential qualities, your two to one favorite. Then you got Rombauer, Hot Rod Charlie, Rock Your World, and Known Agenda. I think any of those five are, you know, could potentially win a Belmont Stakes in any given year. Um, I was looking at, at, you know, Rombauer was in the Kentucky Derby this year, but he or he was at, he was going to be in the Kentucky Derby this year, but he scratched or they decided not to run uh, the week of the race. But we actually studied him because we're always trying to get ahead of it. And I'm looking back at my at my right of Rombauer, you know, and if he would have ran in the Derby, he was coming out of the bluegrass where he kind of ran a distant third. You know, it wasn't a really impressive race, but it was it was an interesting race because it 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 potentially could lead to growth and i think it did in the preakness we always are paying attention to horses running styles which we we refer to as a pattern of motion and he's pretty much a group herd dynamic closer but in the bluegrass it was a short field and there really wasn't any speed and they they kept him close he sat third and uh you know he didn't win the race he he couldn't he couldn't run down essential quality but he, he he performed well you know a lot of time when the when a closer is kept up close like that, they're not going to have the same energy late in the race, but he kind of had to fight to finish third, and we thought that was an interesting race. We would have had him as a Tier 2 herd dynamic had he run in the Derby, but I really think he improved a lot in the Preakness, so I think he belongs in this list now, too. I can tell you right now who I like, and of course, these are horses that are pretty well known, so you know, looking at the PPs, um, isn't as important when you know you know the horse's PPs for the most part, anyways. And I did take a quick look at the the Brisnet PPs uh, for the contenders going into this race, um, and that's when I kind of uh, was I was a little taken aback when I looked at Nona Genda's running line, and that uh, it looks a lot worse on uh, a PP than than it did um, you know during the running of the actual race, but. Uh, I mean, doesn't Rocky World have to go to the lead here? And who is really going to challenge him? Oh, I think I think he's going to get the greatest setup. You know, if if he's good enough, this is going to be a couple of these horses. I think this is kind of their prove it race. And Rocky World is really the only committed front runner in the field that I can see. And he drew outside of everyone else except for Overtook. Um, so even, you know, even if one of these other horses decides they want to show speed, like maybe the Japanese horse does, uh, Hot Rod Charlie can go to the lead. Um, Rocky World's going to be outside of that horse, and he's going to be able to basically, you know, attack whenever he wants to. So I think he's got a great setup here, and he, and he drew perfectly. You know, Belmont's so big, and the turns are, are so, uh, the, you know, the, the sweeping Belmont turn. Um that it's it's really not post position really doesn't even matter in this race. I, I think he's going to be on the lead by the time to hit the turn. Uh, I think that um, essential quality, uh, you know, with Luis Saez and um, Hot Rod Charlie with Flavian Pratt are, are going to try to set up shop uh, outside of off of Rocky World. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it looks like a race that you know. There's some uh, Rocky World looks like the clear speed. Um, essential quality and, and hot rod Charlie look like the clear, 
uh, stalkers. Um, a little bit more, I guess, overtook as a little bit of a, a stalker type. I mean, Burbonic is is a is a one run closer more. Um, Ron Bauer is kind of you know probably best suited as as a as a one run closer. Uh, so, and I I don't know exactly what uh, France go in go the end is going to do. Um, he kind of made a, a little bit of a. Um, a middle move and the Preakness, which forced Medina Spirit's hand a little bit, uh, and actually probably made him use up a little more energy down the backside than than he had, uh, you know, probably anticipated. I didn't know. Uh, I don't think anyone really expected that horse to be that close to the lead at that point in the race. But uh, yeah, that was one of those moves. Like, in no way do you win a race doing that. It didn't help that horse, but he actually had an effect on the race in some ways. Yes, absolutely, and you know it's always a mystery. I mean, I, I thought it was funny looking back at the Breeders' Cup Sprint um, last fall at Keeneland. The Japanese horse cleared the field from the outside post and, by, easily <laughs> and went right to the lead. And uh, I mean, the horse collapsed in the stretch. Uh, you know, just just ran out of gas. But uh, I was looking at that race overwards and I, afterwards, and I remember saying to myself. Man, I didn't see that happening. <laughs> like, I, I was, I bet uh, Yupon, I thought Yupon would be, would be right up on the lead. And, and, uh, after a quarter mile, he, he was about four or five lengths behind because this Japanese horse had, uh, you know, we didn't really know his form very well. And, um, he just jumped out there. And, uh, that's the thing about the horses, uh, you know, coming from, from other countries and other jurisdictions and that, that we don't really, exactly know the running style and what how it'll translate here and uh you know rebels romance being out um might have been uh, a horse that like you just said maybe doesn't have a real great chance of winning but but could affect the race by by the way that uh you know their running style definitely i i think this belmont is for a couple if you know if you're an essential quality fan this is this is your race you know, to get even for the Derby. If you were a Rock Your World fan in the Derby, this is your race where you come back and, you know, you stick to your opinion here. So uh, I think it's interesting from that standpoint because we don't know really who the best three-year-old is. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty muddled at this point. Yeah, it, it is. And Rombauer was the uh, the last two weeks they have that NTRA poll Um Right, he's number one. He's number one for the last two weeks, but um, you know that 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 poll has changed a, a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of different horses uh, in that top spot this year, so um, uh, you know it, it's it's going to be a, a, a it's going to be an interesting race. I really think it, it's it's a it's a normal kind of race. It's a little bit more normal than certainly the Derby, which is kind of a crapshoot. But, yeah. um, you know, it looks, it looks like I said, it look, you know, I think there's like four or five horses that, that have legitimate chance of winning. Um, you know, I'm always looking for a long shot and I don't know that, that I'm going to get one. I mean, I might be able to make a case that, um, I, I looked at the morning line and, and I think New York's morning lines are, are usually pretty, pretty good. But I think Ron Bauer is going to be a little bit closer to five to one. I think he's going to be a little bit more overlooked than they think. I think Hot Rod Charlie's going to be a solid second choice. I think Rock Your World's going to be third choice. 
Well, I mean, to take my that case further, I in the Derby, I evenly bet highly motivated and Hot Rod Charlie. And, I mean, I think if you bet Hot Rod Charlie in the Derby, you know, you're not off that horse. I know people who liked him in the Derby, and they're, they're salivating at a chance to bet him here in the Belmont. So I think those guys are staying on their horse. And if you were a known agenda fan heading into the Kentucky Derby, you draw the rail, you get kind of a weird trip. I'm sure that horse still has believers, too. Yeah, I, I was... I was a I was kind of a known agenda guy and I didn't really like the rail um just because I, I was just afraid that what what happened might have happened and that he's got maybe sometimes the propensity to just get lost in a race and you know when when you have that rail you kind of got to hustle him out of there and he just never I mean he just never got got into it early and um but he did show an ability to rebound off of that race when, when he was, uh, you know, kind of wheeled back in that allowance race, which of course he was you know, much the best. But you know, he came back after that in, in the Florida Derby and ran really well too. So, so he certainly he, he's going to have a. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he won the race, and uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Essential Quality won the race. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ron Bauer just has really turned the corner and, and, and become the now horse. I would be not surprised if Hot Rod Charlie won. I would not be that shocked if Known Agenda won. And if Rocky World goes wire to wire, it, it wouldn't bother me at all because uh, I think I'll probably bet on him if I get a decent enough odds. And, um, you know, Overtook, I think Overtook's in here because he's got New York connections and he is a uh, a curlin out of an AP&D mare who certainly should be able to handle the distance and you know Todd Pletcher's a New York guy and I don't know that he's in there for anything other than um other than that uh, you know he might get a decent enough pace set up if someone decides to uh to press Brocky World a little bit earlier um yeah has Pletcher said anything about known agenda and the blinkers cuz going into the derby um, a significant part of our pattern read on known agenda involved the improvement he showed in blinkers, but um, you know when we watched the stretch run of that Florida Derby, he looked a little frantic to us. He was kind of weaving, and we weren't. We were wondering if he hadn't plateaued at that point. And uh, you know, I had a note here on known agenda that if they take the blinkers back off of him to see how he runs, that he could potentially start a new gr- herd dynamic growth pattern if they take those blinkers off again. And I don't know if Pletcher has been experimenting with that or not. I thought I saw a workout where he was not wearing them. Uh, I don't believe there's a blinker change. He hasn't really said anything that I've seen. Uh, okay. He did say that, um, you know, he thought, uh, you know, late in the race in the Derby, kind of a, a, you know, when no one was really paying attention to him, that, that he he was he was running, you know, doing some running at the end. Um, you know, said you know he just had way too much to do, which which was obvious. He was seventeenth early. Um, you know, he said the. He, he called it maybe a sneaky good race. So, uh, I mean, yeah, he's kind of he's, he's kind of touting him a little bit. I mean, the other the other horses, he's just. Uh, I mean, you read between the lines, and you know, like Todd, uh, he's just taking shots. I mean, uh, you know, like his yeah. his quote about um, Burbonic was, "I like the way he's doing. Seems to he seems like he wants to stay the distance, so we hope we get a ground-saving trip and see if he'll stay that far. I mean, that's kind of like, yeah, we're putting him in here. It's the Belmont's mile and a half, you know, like yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Who knows? And, again, he's owned by New York Connections as well. Um, 
you know, overtook is, is, uh, is also a son of Curlin. So, I mean, he's running two Curlins and a Bernardini. So, uh, pedigree wise, these are the type of horses that, you know, should find the Belmont distance within their scope. Um, that's a question I, I think, uh, with rock your world, um, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I have to recall his pedigree again. Um, I know he's, he's by candy ride, but, um, he is out of, is he out of charm? The giant, I think I want to say, I'll look it up for you. Maybe. Um, but you I know, thought, I thought his pedigree that he wants to run all day. I, I, studied I, him. I thought his pedigree was, was sufficient for the Derby. I, I can't really remember Like I didn't hate him in the Derby, but I just didn't like that. He, he didn't seem to be, um, I didn't like, I didn't hate him as a horse. Like uh, some of the horses I just like in soup and sandwich. I'm like, this horse has got no shot, zero chance. I hated him in the Derby. He he didn't just to me was not prepared properly. It just was a, um, you know, a hail Mary, but I just didn't like the fact that we didn't know what Rocky world style really was. And that he had never been, you know, in behind horses. And unless he drew a post that allowed him to clear to the lead, you know, you, you had a, a great deal of unknowns and then, you know, you had the, the break, which wasn't great. Um, then he kind of got bumped and then he kind of like, he didn't react well to it. <clears throat> he went to the outside and by the time Rosario got him straightened out, I mean, he just never looked comfortable the whole race. I mean, it was like a throwout race. So, um, I mean, there's a race in a couple of weeks in California that I think it's $150,000 on the dirt that affirmed that would be a, you know, a slam dunk for him. But the fact that they're they're racing here is you know it's got kind of a sign of confidence. Yeah, he's out of an Empire Maker mare named Charm of the Maker who had some quality. It was a two turn horse. Um, you know our our read on him was that he can run all day. When we watched most of his races, our you know we gave him a tier one herd dynamic score, but we just questioned whether he was polished enough to, to you know to, to execute that Derby trip, and and he definitely was not. I think his excuse was legitimate. And I think this race sets up so much better for him to show his best. And I, it's, I agree, it's a vote of confidence from Sadler sending him for this race. Uh, you know, I think they probably want some vindication. And uh, I see Rosario's on him. I think that's a great thing. He's won the Belmont. I, I think the horse is a legitimate contender. I mean, I honestly don't know who I want to bet in this race because I, I can make a good case for any of these top five, and I'm I'm probably just going to see what the public does and, and see if I think they really underestimate anyone and maybe look to key them. Because any of these top five could win. I don't see myself um, betting known agenda probably. but um, And I don't see myself keying essential quality, though I think this race is great for him too. We talked about pedigree earlier. I mean, Tappet is just a phenomenal stallion, especially in the, the amount of stamina he puts into his horses. And we've seen Tappets run so well in the Belmont. I think this is his race to show if, if he, he was the best two-year-old, if he's the best three-year-old, I think he shows it Saturday, uh, especially at a mile and a half, because the little things that, that, you know, we picked against essential quality slightly, even though he's a tier one herd dynamic, um, the reason he's so good is he's just got a great combination of speed and stamina. When we really put him under our microscope and tried to look at his herd dynamic and, and how he acted towards other horses, um, you know, we had little questions about him. In the bluegrass, uh, highly motivated, actually pushed him out four or five paths out to the center of the track. And then in the derby, uh, 
uh, in the in the notes after the Derby, Louis Sias said that essential quality was shying from the top three horses when he was trying to run them down, and he was really in a good spot to win the Derby. I thought he uh, he had ground loss, but but he was in a good spot to win that race. Uh, one of the interesting things that Carrie and I have found when we when we study her dynamics, um, so these horses that can just like get a little bit gawky at stimulus, or maybe they need a little bit of uh, time to, to figure things out, like time and motion in, in terms of the race. Uh, added distance helps those horses as long as they have the stamina to handle it. So I think a mile and a half is perfect for essential quality. And, you know, I expect him to run well, and I think he'll be hard to keep off the board. As the favorite, I probably wouldn't bet on him, but um, people who believe in that horse, this is absolutely their shot for redemption. Yeah, that's funny because we, you know, we just spent uh, ten, fifteen minutes talking about the Belmont. We didn't even mention the favorite. <laughs> um, you know, essential quality will probably be the favorite, and and he really has done nothing wrong. His, his Derby run was not a bad race, and he got no. a, You know, he did get caught wide. He he did have a, a post position that really didn't allow him to save a lot of ground, and um, he ran. You know, he ran all right. It, it wasn't like a bad race, and you know they. they they gave him the time to, you know, to recover and, you know, pointed for this race and, um, you know, Mandolin passed on the race and, uh, not really sure why, but I mean, I guess he's going to run in the, 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 the other Pegasus <laughs> over yeah. there at, uh, <laughs> no whip downs, um, you know, as a prep for the, for the Haskell, um, which kind of makes me wonder where uh, essential quality is might be going after this race because it doesn't appear to be the Haskell. Yeah. Um, um, if anyone's interested in our herd dynamic profiles, I just wanted to mention our, our whole Derby report is up on our website now. Um, and, you know, we've got at least three of these horses in the Belmont. Our profiles are up there. So if anybody wants to check those out, our website is thtbloodstock.com. And there's a, uh, a sub menu that says big race analysis and that's where you can find all our Kentucky Derby analysis is um archived. And you can just pick the just click on that and it'll it'll show you the uh, the whole report. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um uh, there's there's some rain in the forecast for Friday. They have a pretty nice card on Friday at Belmont. Um but of course the the feature race of the day um is the uh, the Belmont Gold Cup, which is a Grade Two four hundred thousand dollars race going two miles on the Widener Turf Course, um, and I thought it was uh, interesting this year that only one horse from overseas came here um, to try this, and that was uh, uh, Baron Samidhi, uh, Joe O'Brien, uh, son of Aiden. Sent him over here to uh, to try to try this race, and um, I I have a hard time um, you know, determining. Uh, I mean, we have the the, the usual Mike Maker three. <laughs> it's got three in there. Um, um, Mister Chatterpole's got one in there. Uh, uh, Iggy Correas has got one in there. Mike Lauer, Brad Cox has got uh, Kinosos. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting race, and we don't really have anything else like that in this country. I know at Gulfstream they run um, their version of the Allen Jerkins at two miles, 
but um, it, it's a, a non, you know, it's a listed stake, and it's it's not nearly up to the the par of the Belmont Gold Cup. But uh, you know, give me your thoughts about about distance racing in this country versus, uh, you know, what what seems to be a trend towards more shorter races. I mean, I I just don't think we we have you know still just this tiny smattering of distance races, and I and I think there were more of them a long time ago, but. We don't breed our horses to go two miles here. We don't test our horses to go two miles, you know, especially on the turf, but on any distance. So, I mean, when I look at a race like that, my, my default is, is first to look at the overseas horses, um, you know, to see horses that, that have actually probably been tested and been, and been running at this distance before because, it, you know, a two-mile race is a different animal. It's, it's, it's a very, very different race than anything we run here. And... uh and after that, I like to look at trainers, you know, and you mentioned Mike Maker. You know, that that's a standout to me whenever I'm looking at uh, what we call marathon turf races. Uh, Maker is, is one of the trainers that I think is just really good at conditioning horses to do that. Um, I see uh, Graham Motion's got one in there, too. And, and, you know, I always consider Graham's horses on the turf going long also. Yeah, Mike seems to have a ton of those those type of horses um, in his arsenal. And, uh, they uh, and, and a lot of them, you know, are horses that they claimed, you know, that that yeah. um, that uh, they claimed and and you know turned into uh, you know better horses. And uh, he he just seemingly got got a, an unlimited supply uh, on the undercard uh, at a mile and a quarter is the New York. Uh, which is a grade two seven hundred fifty thousand dollar race. Uh, there aren't a lot of seven hundred fifty thousand dollar races that are aren't grade twos, but that that's a really nice it's a nice race as well. Um, Harvey's Lil Goyle, which has a terrible name, um, but is a really good horse. You know she's coming off a uh, uh, winning the Bogey, um, and uh, that was her first start of the year. That back in on May eighth. Before that, she ran gigantic in the uh, the Breeders' Cup Phillies and Mares turf last year at Keeneland, just missing a neck um, to uh, Odari and uh, the European horse and uh, Rushing Fall, um, who, you know, Rushing Fall literally only ran first or second all her all starts. So uh, before that, she had won the, you know, the, the Queen Elizabeth at, uh, at Keeneland. So... Um, you know, she's kind of, to me right now, uh, that for the distance mares in this country, she, she would be the boss. Uh, and I think she'll take some beating in, in this race on, uh, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the PPs, but, um, you know, she, she's really an American Pharaoh out of a Tappet mare and, uh, gray Philly Bill Mott trains for, uh, the estate of Harvey Clark and Paul Braverman. Well, Paul's still alive, but, uh, uh, you know, she, she's, I'll be honest, uh, you know, she she had some success on the dirt, and it seems like the American Pharaohs can can uh, maybe move do a little better on the turf than they do on the dirt. That's, that's what I've seen too. It was interesting. I remember when we studied American Pharaoh for, for the, his years Kentucky Derby report. I, I don't know if he, he's one of the most beautiful moving horses we'd ever seen. Like his his sensory his his mental to physical output, just like the gracefulness and the efficiency in which uh, he athletically covered ground really stood out to me as, as 
kind of what made him an all-time great or was a significant ingredient to his greatness. And, uh, you know, I think he is he is passing that down to some degree, but it, but it, he's getting more than a share of turf horses. I think at this point it looks like, you know, a little bit of a slant towards the turf that he might be better that way. Yeah, I mean, and the Philly, um, obviously the Philly to beat in there is, is Graham Motion's Mean Mary, who's uh, a, 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 you know, a front-running Philly that wants to uh, you know be on the lead, who was uh, you know set a kind of prompted a pressured pace in, the, in that same Breeders' Cup and 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 just didn't have enough to finish. Uh, she came back a week after uh, Harvey's Little Goy did, and she won the Gallaret at uh, Pimlico on the Preakness undercard, uh, albeit with uh, you know. Dawdling fractions, uh, twenty-five and one, fifty and four, one fifteen and one, and she had about two left lead the whole way, uh, and, and she was, you know, she was running at the end. They were, they were really running, finishing strong. But I mean, she she held on in that race, um, but that was her first race off of Lasix, and I almost wonder, um, uh, you know, I, I, I just wonder about. I know, I know that the the like the speed figure is probably going to be lower because that the 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 pace was so slow, but um, well she can she ran her final five sixteenths in twenty seven and four. Yeah, and and she still so, had to hold horses off, you know. <laughs> like yeah, if a front runner could do that, uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, that that tells you I don't know how much other speed is in this race, but that tells you she can take advantage of a pace scenario and come home with the best of them. Uh, a filly of Bill Mott, uh, another filly, a hard spun filly, who's uh, a good horse, a really good horse, but she's she's made her, <laughs> excuse me, she's more made her mark in, in finishing third in, in big races. Uh, Antoinette is in there, and and she generally shows speed. Um, uh, you know, she won this past winter the Gulfstream. Uh, she won the very one uh, on the lead and. She she was you know just the best filly in there I think but uh, she came back in the Sheepshead Bay uh, at Belmont last month and set really slow fractions. Um, the, the Sheepshead Bay is a mile three eighths. They went fifty one one seventeen, and she kind of backed up and she really didn't have uh, much punch in in, in that race. So um, and she'll throw in a clunker every now and then, but uh, I don't know that she's quite as fast as Mean Mary. Um, but, um, but she might be able to keep her honest and, and I mean, the face, uh, the truth is that, that Harvey's little Goyle is not going to be too far out of it. I mean, she, what was really impressive about her Breeders' Cup run was she was much further off the pace than she generally is. I mean, she's generally a stalker that, that that's a, a couple lengths off the pace. Um, and that was, that was a race, you know, where, where she was, uh, Laying eighth, five, six lengths behind instead of laying second or third, uh, a length behind. So, um, I was I was really impressed with with, uh, with her last uh, her last three or four races. Really, were, were were really good. And and I was always kind of on the fence about her. I was kind of like I I said I don't know if I'm quite seeing what everyone else is seeing with this filly, but she's really kind of exceeded expectations to me. Well, the Breeders' Cup was her first race against older too. So yeah, I think you might be onto something here. I'm, I'm just glancing at her form really quick she won the regret at churchill downs in her turf debut then she runs in the alabama and runs a good third behind the skydiver 
Then she goes to Kentucky Downs and gets beat a neck going a mile and five sixteenths. That's such a weird track. Uh, you know, if you just run well there, you know, you, you can't hold too much against a horse, even if they get beat badly there. But she ran well. Then she wins the QE2 Cup and then gets beat a neck in the Philly and Mare Turf at 20 to 1. Comes back, wins her four year old debut. So I think that looks like a pretty progressive pattern there. Definitely getting faster, uh, you know, fall of her three year old season and, and now looks even better coming back at age four. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the better roses. Uh... Looks like the acid test for Chubwagon, who's undefeated for uh, quite a little bit. Uh, Chubwagon beat me on the Preakness. Yeah. Uh, there was, there was, she was in a race in the Preakness undercard where I tried to beat her, and she made me feel silly. <laughs> yeah, she's Chubwagon. She's hey, Chub. Uh, she's, uh, yeah, the, the great New Jersey sire. <laughs> hey, Chub. Uh, uh, you know, look, it's a decent field. Uh, Pacific Gale, uh, Bayerness, um Pied Bianchi, it's uh, uh, Lake Avenue. I mean, uh, they're certainly uh, victim of love's a good filly. So it's it's going to be a, a, an acid test for her for sure. But uh, looks like a good race. Um, the True North, and, and I've been very critical of the Sprint Division this year because it just stinks. I mean, somebody was talking about the Triple Bend out in california and they said it's so bad they should call it the double bend <laughs> and uh i mean it, it was not a great field and like the else uh not the Alcibiades, the uh, aristides at, at churchill this weekend i mean when you look at the pps i was like man this looks like an allowance race like all these horses have been running in races with numbers next to the you know on them not not names um and uh bango was able to win actually i bet on bango i thought he ran really well kind of deceptively well in the uh the race at Churchill on the undercard um where that had the the five horse finish in the 400 $404,000 uh pick um uh superfecta um but the true north is the seventh race on Friday and uh Frenzy Fire and Flagstaff uh certainly will be the headliners Frenzy Fire really likes Belmont I mean the horse has got a great record at Belmont um and Flagstaff, uh, who's been in the news lately because of uh, of, a, of a positive test for um, uh, phosphites, osphos is what, what what they call it, um, from from last year that took uh, forever to uh, to kind of adjudicate, and, and it's still not over. And there was a, a lot of um, there's a lot of issues surrounding how that whole thing is tested for and but anyways he he did win the uh the race at churchill the churchill downs handicap and um he's going to carry highway against uh a pretty um a pretty modest field otherwise uh, the sprint division has felt i mean i remember looking at the pps for last year's breeders cup sprint and saying this is not up to par so to me, the older dirt sprint division has has been a little bit weak for you know a year now. Um, well, and, and I think part of the problem, and this goes, this is a systemic problem of we had the Chipple Bend in California this weekend. We had the Aristides in Kentucky. We have this race here. Um, the the Maryland had a race two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and there's just too many. There's too many greatest stakes these days for for these same type of horses all over the place and. Like if you had, um, if we were a real sport, 
we would condense this schedule and we would have uh, every every month there would be a a kind of a tiered uh, stakes schedule for okay older sprinters. You would have a race that was the A grade, and then you'd have the B, and then you'd have the C. But the way we have it with our with our graded system, I mean, we have some races that that are grade twos that are, are grade threes that are way tougher than grade ones because one horse scares everybody out of the grade one and. It's just a little frustrating because, um, you know, at least this 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 field got more than five. I mean, um, the the True North has seven, uh, including two from Linda Rice, who, uh, um, you know, who, whose name seems to uh, drive people crazy, <laughs> considering she got her license revoked a couple weeks ago and. You know, she's still out winning races, but that's the process. And people want to talk about due process. This is the due process that she's going to get. And um, because it was done by a a state agency and a governmental body, that there's there's rules and, and, and legalities that have to be followed. And um, the fact of the matter is she might wind up racing for a long, long time before this uh, this case is finally adjudicated. And that's after it took almost three years to come up with a decision. So um, the wheels of justice grind slow, but I, I was talking to a, a, a very, very sharp person this morning who called me and, uh, you know, he, he was talking about that very thing and um, how people forget that uh, uh, we're ruled by, by, you know, regulated by, by the government. Um, and as such, there are rules and that have to be followed. There's a procedural um, parts of the law, and uh, in this case, the the three year sentence was rubber stamped by the commission, but it, it was suggested by administrative law judge, who's not a racing person at all. This this case was based on the merits of of what the his interpretation of of the rules were. So, um, you know, I, I know she has two in there, and you know, if she wins, I'm sure there's going to be, of course, a a course of people saying, Oh my God, if we were, we need a commissioner and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sometimes you just got to understand that this is the way we're regulated. And it's, that's not going to change ever. The government is <laughs> never going to say, Oh, just do, do whatever you want. It's just never going to be. And, and, and as such, when we're under their, um, you know, under their thumb, we, we we're going to have to run by their rules. I was on a, like a local ESPN radio show last Sunday, uh, San Antonio, Texas. And they asked me about the, the Derby. So they said, okay, so the Derby was, you know, May 1st. Uh, we're almost to the Belmont stakes. Why, why haven't we tested that second sample yet? And I, I didn't have a good answer for that. Um, because you, you would think certainly it, it could have been done by now, but, uh, it's, I, I told them, well, welcome to Kentucky. Uh, and then the way this is the way horse racing is run. And there's a lot of different sets of rules and a lot of it might not be all the most modern. Um, but no, know, no, no doubt. I, I, listen, that sample could have been tested the next day. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, why do, do you know the answer? Why, why has that not been tested yet? Well, this is a little bit of a different scenario because number one, most of the time you don't know when a, a you, you don't even know that this, uh, 
this is going on, this process. This is a process that's done that that's it's supposed to be um you know not not uh it's supposed to be done uh, confidentially, but Bafford, you know, kind of blew the whistle on that. Right. Um and a lot of times uh it does take quite a while and and a lot of the conjecture is that um all right, just just it's it's. I think it's easier just to explain what would happen. Okay, I got a positive test, right? So the state raising commission they they give me the piece of paper says uh, uh, I I have a positive test. I have three days to uh, or seventy two hours to request a split sample, and then uh, as been shown by this uh, case with Baffert, uh, there actually is no time limit for you to determine when or where you want the the sample sent. Which uh, is a rule that needs to be, you know, a loophole that needs to be closed. Uh, if they're going to give you seventy-two hours to determine um, where or if you want a split sample, you should have a, a similar time frame to determine where you're going to send it. Um, when they tell you you can have a split sample, you are given a list of uh, approved laboratories that you can send it to, and, and you choose. And you also pay for the testing. Um, that is not done by the state. Uh, that's not done on the state's dime. That's done on your dime. You, you pay for that. Um, because you know, the state has, uh, has conducted their test. Their test says you're positive. And, uh, if you want the split, then, you know, that, that's, that's you, that's your, that's your, uh, kind of an appeal of, of sorts. So it seems odd to let, let, let the accused, so to speak, pick who is going to test their sample. I think they do that because that's the person that's paying for it, right? Um, yeah, and I think they want—they don't want to say, "Oh, well, like, you know, they're in cahoots with this lab or that lab." But you know, whatever. I, I don't exactly know. I mean, no one actually—I I don't <laughs> know that anyone could actually answer that question. But uh, so, all right, I pick um, um, LSU. Okay, I'm going to send a sample to LSU. So it gets sent to LSU. Well, in a normal case. LSU is doing um, uh, their lab, their, their drug testing. They're doing Evangeline or Delta or Fairgrounds or whoever they're, um, you know, covering at that point. Uh, unless you know, they might have other tracks that they're doing uh, testing for. So when they get the split sample, it's not a priority for them. It gets done when all their other contracted work gets done. I mean, you know, you know, you know, understand like. It's not their priority because a it doesn't happen in their state and b, I mean, they're just gonna look at the test and they're gonna say, yep, it's 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 got that drug in this this uh, at this level or it's not. So for them, it, it's just uh, you know it's extra work. Now the Kentucky Derby sample, of course, should be a little different. And honestly, when you send it to LSU, I don't know that. Um, they're even supposed to know the name of the horse or, or that, though. Uh, I guess that because you're paying for it, I mean, you, you would probably tell them. But um, I read that, that, that it's not identified uh, what they're testing for, the name of the horse, or anything. Right. So um, I don't know if that's true. I don't know, but I, I had a test for, for ace promazine, a positive for ace promazine, like just a tick over the limit. And the limit in Kentucky at the time was way lower than everywhere else. This is when I first started realizing that the system and the rules were screwed up and that 10 nanograms was the cutoff in Kentucky. And I sent it to LSU and Dr. Barker, who was there, who was, who was a very, very good uh, 
uh, chemist and, and a guy that understood uh, the game in a, in the way that he he was understanding of environmental contamination, things like that. Um, and I sent it to him, and and he confirmed it was eleven or twelve nanograms. And he he kind of, he said something. He goes, you know, this shouldn't be a positive. He says our withdrawal here is a hundred nanograms. He goes, New York's forty, uh, California's fifty, and like at the time, every state was way higher. And and the irony of the whole situation was that that Kentucky had like no rules, <laughs> for, like the 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 amount of shots you could give a horse within twenty four hours of a race was insane. You could give it like like seventeen legal drugs. And this was ace promazine, which is like a commonly used, you know, tranquilizer. I mean, commonly used in the horse world. It's probably the single most commonly used drug in in worldwide in, with horses. Um, yeah. And uh, the, he said that that level is abnormally low. He goes, especially considering it's coming from Kentucky, where you guys, you know, can literally give anything. Um, and he said, you know, I mean, uh, he ex- kind of explained uh, some of the. Um, you know the variables, and and he was very knowledgeable, and he, he was very open to to discussion. I, I remember talking to him for about forty five minutes, um, but uh, you know the, the positive was the positive, and then it, it went back to the the judge at the stewards, and then they called a hearing, and um, you know they gave me fifteen days, uh, and that was it. You know, I mean, the, with you know the they changed the the purse got uh, taken, and. Um, a horse name was No Deadline. She was by Skywalker. And she won by about 10. She won at Keeneland on the turf. She just galloped. Um, and like I said, I, we had no record of giving her Ace Promazine for at least a, a couple weeks. So, you know, he said, you know, at this level, this could very easily be environmental contamination. He goes, it's a very, very, very low level and it's a very commonly used drug. Um, he goes, you know, the pony who ponied her to post might have gotten an ace pill because maybe the horse is a little excitable and, and uh, you know, their saliva mixed and, you know, like they were making out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's it's just, it's tough at, at some times. And, and that's that's kind of the, 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 you know, with the Baffert situation, obviously, you know, everyone's made their opinions clear for the most part. But one of the things that's, that is kind of been laid bare to everyone is how screwed up the system we have is. And uh, that's something that I really, really, really hope that the the federal, uh, the people on these boards for HISA really take into consideration and really spend the time and resources to get way more people up there to talk about uh, setting up these rules than just the same old, same olds that have helped set up this crappy situation that we have in this industry. And, um, you know, there's just, uh, we have one chance to get this right. And, and I'm just not all that confident that, uh, that that will happen. I think for the triple crown for the, for the series of races, I don't know if anyone is like representing the series, but that, that what happened this year has definitely taught us that, that that needs to be streamlined because you've basically got a cloud hanging over. We could have had a cloud hanging over a triple crown attempt in the Belmont Stakes. It was headed off, but, you know, the way they did the Preakness where Baffert <laughs> yeah. voluntarily did different testing and they said he could run, but he was already been 
spinning band from New York, you know, I, hopefully this can be improved for the future. For, absolutely. And, and like one of the things that uh, people asked was that, well, they do out of competition testing before the Derby. And yes, they do, but they don't test for uh, those type of medications. The, the out of competition testing is, is mostly done for steroids, for, for something for, that, that would be illegal in their system, not, not, not allowed over a certain level. Things that will be not allowed. Period. Uh, you know, some of the blood doping agents. Uh, th- you know, things like that. Um, that's uh, that that that's kind of you know where, where those pre race testing uh, went to. So that's why <laughs> they didn't come up positive um, prior to the derby because they weren't testing for it. And and that's uh, and, and one of the things about out of competition testing and, and and I did not know that beforehand because the whole point of out of competition testing is to surprise someone you know you can't tell well hey we're going to be testing for this right uh, then if you say oh we're going to test for these nine drugs well then you use probably number ten or number eleven if you're trying to you know do something wrong so. Um, that that's kind of um you know the problem you know w- without a competition testing per se is that i mean so many things um so many things are just not as easy as uh as it seems um you know in regards to this testing in regards to the Linda Rice situation in regards to the Baffert situation in regards to the, the the whips and in regards to everything everything is complicated there's no easy solutions and and that's the thing is that uh you know the business the racing has we really done a poor job in in explaining the processes and 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 what actually happens and why things are like they are why uh you know this 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 take this long why does uh you know why did this not happen it, it's just uh you know it's it's just it, it's a it's been a problem for a long time in this business, but it's a greater problem now because we live in the age of information. We live in the age of quick information and we're not still, still not prepared to, uh, to answer a lot of these questions. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the Chuck Simon for racing commissioner campaign. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll volunteer for it. Oh my God. After all the people I've pissed off the last couple of weeks, I know Dennis Drazen will vote for me. Um, that's for sure. Bob Baffert ain't going to vote for me either. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they could pay me enough to do that job. That, that sounds like a job that would cause you, I don't know. Uh, it's, I'm telling you, even if you gave me like full powers to kind of do whatever I needed to do with no regard to, um, you know, laws or things, it would still be a difficult thing to, to get done. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, I, listen. Uh, thanks for for joining us, and uh, everyone should check out your your um, your website, uh, thtbloodstock.com, dot uh, com, and your your uh, all your um, all your information for the for the Belmont. Today we had a, a Philly breaker maiden at uh, Pimlico by twelve lengths. Uh, Philly named Wicked Hot. So that was that was really exciting for us. Um, I don't know if I mentioned her last time I was on your show. She's the first horse that we've 
had a client place with Graham Motion, actually. And I, I know you worked with Graham a little bit in some respect in the past, right? Yes, Graham's a great guy. And, uh, yeah, so it's our first horse with him, uh, a Maryland-bred, Delaware-certified, Virginia-certified uh, filly by Mosler, who's three years old, who we, uh, you know, we sent her to, we asked, I asked Graham to take her, said we thought she had some talent. I didn't, you know, wasn't saying this is a graded stakes horse, but, you know, we liked her enough to potentially send her to Fair Hill and, and have Graham Motion trainer. And, you know, with all those certifications, we thought there'd be a lot of achievable goals for her. And she ran a really nice second and a maiden special her first out. And then they dropped her and ran her in one of those uh, waiver maiden claimings where the, the Maryland Bretts don't have to have a tag. Mm-hmm. And she won by 12 and, and ran really well. Um, yeah, so that that's an exciting horse that uh, people can potentially follow. I don't know where she's going next, but uh, I think there's a whole bunch of races where she would fit. Well, uh, the, all those certifications, they give you a lot of options. So, well, congrats on that. And, uh, We'll be uh, we're looking forward to seeing the Belmont this weekend, and uh, we'll touch base with you and uh, and carry you back uh, sometime in the future. Sounds good, Chuck. Thanks for having me on. You got it, Pete. Thank you. Bye.